It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus. Mark, hello. Bonsoir. That's yeah. li- that, that's the limit of my French. That's good. Montreal, how's uh, how's Montreal treating you? Uh, <laughs> it took a while to get here. I had about a three-hour delay and then hit rush hour on the way, so the joys of travel again. Um, I, I'm still at a zen state, I think, with the travel delays, where it's like, you know what? This is fine. I'm back on the road. I'm happy to be here, but uh, looking forward to getting a smoked meat sandwich whenever we're done talking here. Nice. Um, you know, I, you I just want like to be done now? No. You just want to go? We'll just yeah, are we done? Day. Can we wrap up? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten since the bagel I had at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I haven't been here in a while. The draft was supposed to be here last spring. We were all excited yeah, about yeah, that, and that didn't fun. happen. Um, so they're, they're doing it this year. Well, I'm looking forward to that, to have the whole staff together. But I feel like since I poached all the New York trips since we've been partners on the beat, that I think you've taken Montreal every time, haven't you, the last few? I think so, yeah. It's been a long time since I've been out here. I'm excited to be back, although it's cold. It's like eight degrees and snowing, but it's always <laughs> like that here. <laughs> I'm never here when it's nice. I, I mean, we ca- my wife and I came here in the summer once for like a day. We were up in the, we took like a, a road trip and we kind of branched off here for a day years ago. And now it's nice to be here in the summer. Every other time I've been here, it's been cold and snowy. Never fails. Yeah. yeah, I think I've been there once when it was nice too. I, there was one trip that was uh, three or four years ago. I just remember the snow being so deep. And yeah, it was just <laughs> one of those. I, I had a great Canadian trip a few years ago where I, I this must have been like four or five years ago because I went to, I went to go see a four ten. Like it was like a, just, it worked out where I was able to see two prospect games and then two NHL games, and I was driving all through Canada. And I was what's that podcast? The history of uh, uh, one of the podcasts that's like the history of something. Where like like really long podcast, like four or five hours long. You know, I, I listen to hardcore history a lot. Yeah, hardcore history. Maybe that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember listening to one of those and just driving through Canadian roads that I couldn't see anything and just hoping I didn't hit a deer or something you know you know I, I almost feel like I, like like when I'm in Canada it's got to be this way like it feels like it's hockey to me when you're like if I'm in Canada that's like 50 degrees and nice like it's supposed to be fine in Toronto after this it's gonna be like raining and like 48 degrees. That, that's not Canada weather I want this you know this is <laughs> you know coming to Canada at least give me the Canadian experience right come on so hockey uh, hockey yeah uh you know I was at I was at last night's game obviously and and um yeah, I, I you know the, the game seems so secondary to what happened to Jujar Kara and 
and uh, that hit and 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 certainly the news was encouraging today about uh, you know him being able to get out of the hospital and um yeah just how he obviously he probably has a bit of a road here to get back to playing hockey and it's been a bunch of concussions you know i guess he hasn't been diagnosed with a concussion but he's obviously had a bunch of had had hits here for a while so maybe it'll be a while before they get him on ice but um yeah it was it was, it was certainly a scary moment being there and just uh you know how you you saw him go down as he did and then how quickly they bring out the stretcher and just the reaction from the players like you're so far away you don't really get to see enough close how serious it is but he just had an indication based on everyone else's reactions just how how bad it, it looked you know yeah i was watching on tv and i like my kid came running down the stairs because she heard me like just go ah like when yeah. it happened like it was it was like a visceral reaction because it just it was so violent like like we're used to seeing big hits in hockey but there are some that just like they take your breath away and it's like oh my god and I like I like just kind of like just kind of exclaimed out loud, and my kid came around. It was just you know he, I mean he's out before he hits the ground. His head hits the back of his back of his head hits the ice. He's got his arms still up like when he's on the ground. I mean it's just a terrifying scene. Yeah. And and you know usually you see a guy like when they're slow to get up they start moving, but he wasn't moving around. I mean it's it's everything you fear. I mean I thought you put it really well in your piece today about how it's really hard to like. For us as bystanders, basically, to get back into like thinking about hockey after that, just imagine what it must be like for his teammates to have to go and try to play a game. You see it in football happen, frankly, more often than you see it in hockey. But it, it's it's really hard to kind of like, you know, refocus your brain on something that seems as trivial as a regular season hockey game when you don't know what this guy's status is. This is your teammate. This is someone you care about. And, um, you know, it's... It, it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any discipline on Jacob Truba. I get it. He's tall, and and Jujar Kara had his head down. I get that. His head was down. It's a cardinal sin for hockey. I get all that. But he didn't have the puck, and all the contact was directly into the jaw. I don't see how that's a legal cleaning. He didn't get a penalty. He should have got interference. There should be a suspension for that. I mean, I don't see why the NHL, you know, there's this, you know, since Rule 48 about how NHL takes head hits seriously, and they don't. They just don't. The IIHF, the International Hockey Federation, has a rule. It says in the rule book, there is no such thing as a clean check to the head. None. No gray area whatsoever. It doesn't matter the situation. You hit a guy in the head, you're out. And the NHL needs to adopt something like that because we've seen too many guys to have their careers. I mean, Jeremy Colleton was one of them. Had his career cut short by concussions. You know, and you know, I know the the players will say, "Well, we'll police ourselves," but you know, punching each other in the head is not a good response to a guy getting a head injury. And I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know how to fix this. It's a fast and violent game. These hits are always going to happen. But if we don't legislate them when they happen, they're just going to keep happening more. You need to throw the book at anyone who does this, like the Rafi Torres Marion Hosa hit 10 years ago. If someone does something like this, you have to penalize them. At least make them think twice about a hit like that. I mean, if you're going to skate on it, then what's the point? What are we doing here? Yeah, th- there's no... <sighs> No, I, no I, don't, I don't. I don't think it was malicious and dirty. Even. No, no, no. I, I was just. I was going to say that. I, I don't. No one's going to knock it to hit someone because they have to fight someone after or anything. They probably look forward to Boy, fighting. Yeah. You know, like it's <laughs> like it's hard of like having to answer for that with uh, with Stillman's fight. Like I mean, Stillman ended up losing that fight. You know, like there's <laughs> there's there's nothing to that. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, it, w- it would take the NHL to recognize that even fighting was dangerous, and you know, like I, it just it's for them it's a slippery slope to it admitting. Um, yeah, CTE and all those different things. So I, I don't imagine any of that's going to change. You know, I, I it, it's it, for me, it's just it's, you know, when, when it becomes the playoffs that all this stuff, it doesn't happen as much. You know, like people are, are, are more careful because the games matter. And it's it's odd to me that it's during the regular season that this is the stuff that 
that occurs and everyone's willing to fight or, or, or be a little bit more dangerous. Not that dangerous hits don't occur in the playoffs, but it, certainly people are more careful and in, in understand, you know, like the suspensions and those type of things are, are, are more costly during the playoffs than they are the regular well, it, season. It, it's just so inconsistent. And again, I don't think that Truba was headhunting there, but it shouldn't matter. He hit the guy in the head. That's all that should matter. It, it is just, it seems so arbitrary. Something like Ian Cole got a fine, a $5,000 fine today for kneeing. And if you watch the play, it's a dangerous, dirty hit that he put on the guy. It means you could really injure, you could ruin a guy's career doing that. And he got a fine. And, you know, sometimes they get nothing. And then sometimes as well, well, you know, they legislate the injury, but not the hit. Well, this was the hit and the injury. And he didn't even get a minor penalty. I don't know what we're doing here. Andrew Shaw may get fined out of this whole thing by calling Good for out. Andrew Shaw, by the way. Good for him. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say, though, that it, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. true, but Shaw, but... I bet you Shaw gets fine. He's still an NHL player, right? And he calls. He's out technically, yeah. He's he's technically a teammate of Karras. Yeah, so I wonder how that hits. Yeah, he goes out there and he says, hey, "NHL player safety. You're gonna." Uh, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of me, but you, are you gonna def- uh, protect the players? Or are you gonna to put the blame on him like you always did on me for putting yourself in a vulnerable position? And yes, don't skate with your head down. I get it, but that doesn't mean that team just because you do something, you make a mistake on the ice. Because you you're fishing a puck out of your skates doesn't mean everyone else has carte blanche to you know freaking attempted murder you. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, hockey wise, yeah, the, I, I it, it seemed like the Blackhawks just like I know they wanted to respond and they're talking about playing for cure and all these things, but they it just seemed like they had no juice uh, after that. And and, and the Rangers yeah. are a better team, and regardless, I think it just. Uh, uh, Panarin is, uh, he's at another level when he plays the Blackhawks and Kane. I, I think it's always going to be that way. I was, like, I was looking at the numbers today for a story tomorrow, and his shooting percentage is like 26% against the Blackhawks. Like, you just, <laughs> you just uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's a different level. So, uh, let's talk about Panarin for a second. Because, like, everyone, every time Panarin does anything, Blackhawks fans get up in arms about, oh, stand, stand, stand. There's no way Artemi Panarin was going to be on this team in 2021. In any situation, any, I mean, you, the Blackhawks could have had him another year or two. There was no way they could have afforded, what is he getting, 11-5 right now? When you've got Taves and Kane making 10-5 each? I mean, what would the rest of the team be? It would be, it would be the Rockford Icehogs. There was, there was never any way they were going to be able to keep three megastars like that for that long. Yeah, what, what what I didn't get is that they they had just negotiated this actually this really good bridge deal, you know, yeah. like at six million. Like you, it was one of the few deals that Bowman seemed to get right during that period, and he would just he just agreed to it. Like he he agreed to that because he wanted to be with the Blackhawks. Six million was a very fair price, and and you had him for two years. And I, I maybe you know maybe in that second year if things aren't going right, then he becomes a piece you trade at the deadline. But at that point, it was it was it just such an overreaction to what happened and. Yeah, for me, it was more. I don't think Panarin's a a Blackhawk now, regardless. But at that point, like it just it made no sense. Like you actually yeah. got a decent, a uh, decent contract, and you know, like he was happy to be there, and they're playing well. Like it was like the, the their failures weren't Panarin's fault. You know, like yeah, there was this there was this uh, narrative that he was somehow soft in the playoffs. He was like a point a game guy against the Blues the year before, and everybody sucked against the Predators. Like none of this made any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think that's more of the point is that yeah, it was just it was they had a good contract and it was it, it seemed like an odd time and and it just I, it, it was another point of just like they never appeased Kane, you know, like it was always yeah. it, it was it was whatever guy elevates Kane to MVP status. I mean, wins the MVP and then yeah, 
yeah, I mean, Kane and Panarin, like, throw, you know, like, knocking pucks at each other when they're in New York and here. And, they, you know, like, Kane doesn't have that sort of relationship with any other player. Like, they've never, you know, like, he maybe it would have been different if, you know, like, him and Sharp at a younger age or something like that. But Kane and Panarin were just something different on and off the ice and this unique relationship and played the game in such a different way. And it would, it would have been interesting to see how that evolved, too. Like, I mean, Panarin was, Panarin was in the league for, what, two years? And then... yeah. He gets traded, so it's uh, it, it kind of came and went so quickly, and um and and just to see Panarin playing at this level still, yeah, again he's probably he's not a Blackhawk, but it's uh, the two more years to see what Kane and Panarin would have done, and you know if you kept that team together and maybe addressed it in a different way other than making those those two trades that ultimately uh, at the time I mean it, it Murphy ended up being a nice player, but it, it took him a while to get comfortable too. Like it wasn't like either one of those trades made them better in the immediate right and, they, and we, we we've we've hashed this out to death yeah. they could have kept the window open a little bit longer there had they just not overreacted to that predator series but but i think you're right like panarin has a, he, he has a way about him that no other blackhawks really had since like you know sharp burrish those kind of guys that kind of playful spirit that he had that kane was really drawn to i mean just at the garden uh last week where you know we're, we're sitting there in the in the hallway outside the locker rooms we can't go in the locker rooms but they bring the players out to us and Panarin had he had like three points that game, so he had to go do an interview. So he comes to walking by, and he like slaps everyone in the back. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey! Like all all boisterous. I don't know if he actually remembers us or not. We're wearing masks. <laughs> it's been three years. We didn't really talk much because he didn't speak English much back then. But he's just got this person, and then he comes back, and he like he's he's acting. He's coming. We're still waiting, and he comes back through the other way. And he's acting like, you know, like a, like a movie star on, like, the red carpet. Going, oh, no, sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. Covering his face, like, for the pictures like he was, <laughs> that, that nobody was taking. Like, like he's just – he's like a big kid. And he's always been a big kid. And, like, Patrick Kane was kind of a big kid. And they just kind of, like, gravitated toward each other. And, you know, Kane has, you know, great relationship with Alex DeBrinkett and with Dylan Strom. He had it with Nick Schmaltz before that. But it's like you said. It's never been like it was with Panera where it was like a real full-on bromance where those guys just loved hanging out together. They loved playing together. They – they were, you know, two of a kind that played the game and fought the game like nobody else did. So they really just worked. And I, I you know, Kane will be the first to tell you, like, his, his you know, his, his play went down when Panarin left. Like, that that was the best he ever was, was when he had Panarin on his wing. So uh, I, I get everybody lamenting Panarin. And, and there are things to lament, certainly. But he was never going to be a Blackhawk in 2021. There was no way to make that math work. No, no. Um yeah, for me, it's always just the creativity. I enjoy creativity, you know? Like, it's just, we, we, you know, it's been terrifying or Panarin or Kane, you know? Like, there, there's not a lot of players that, I mean, you see what Trevor Zagris did last night. Yeah. Like, it just, it's like, you don't see that stuff so often. And the fact that Blackhawks had a, a handful of those players at the same time, like, it's, uh, um, they, they have some nice players now, but it, it doesn't feel like the creativity is there. And right now, it's, they're, they're playing, trying to play so simple just because they can't score goals. And, um, I was looking at the numbers today, and the the five on five numbers are the lowest. Uh, they're averaging the fewest goals per sixty minutes in five on five since the two thousand thirteen fourteen Buffalo Sabers. So, not you never want to be associated with the no. Buffalo Sabers of any year, really. And, and then this is after you tweeted that they scored two goals at five on five, and then they just <laughs> didn't <laughs> score another five on five, another goal after that in the first period yesterday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, well, well, let me let me let, let's 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 take a side trip down Trevor Zegers Lane here because I mean you and I remember covering that 2019 draft where there was like any number of guys that was a wide open draft after Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, and you know all of us had the Hawks either taking Alex Turcotte or Bowen Byram. They took Kirby Doc. Everyone was surprised by it, and then Doc wound up being the best player out of that draft the first year after that draft, and then everyone's catching up a little bit. Moritz Sider, who nobody thought was going to. You, everyone was like, who the hell is that when when Detroit took him? He's probably my Calder pick this year. You got, you know, Trevor Zegers is tearing it up and making these awesome, exciting plays. He's, you know, Patrick Kane was his hero. He was an option out there. Um, you know, Bowen Byram, he's got some health issues, but when he's on the ice, he's he's absolutely electric. Everything people said he would be. And, you know, the rest of that draft is catching up to Kirby Doc and, and maybe passing him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if Zegers was ever really on the Hawks' radar at three, but I remember distinctly that draft from three to nine, you know, down to Peyton Krebs, I think, who went 17, but he was in that discussion too. It could have been anybody. And, you know, the fact that they didn't take Turcotte, who doesn't seem to be panning out very well so far with the Kings, you know, I guess certainly Kirby Doc's been a better pick so far than Turcotte. But you have to wonder now, you know, that, that draft, there's going to be a lot of guys coming through now that, you know, Jack Hughes is coming into his own. Kako is still a little slow. Doc is a good player, but he can't score very often. And you wonder how that draft is going to shake out now, you know, five, ten years down the road. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, and, and I've talked to people about this, just that Stan Bowman was so set on drafting a center. Like, they wanted a center in this yeah. draft, and, uh, you know, they fell in love with with Doc. And, uh, you know, like, there were people pushing for Bowen Byram, and there there wasn't much love there. Like, it was, like, the the Blackhawks' greatest, greatest need at that time was still defense, you know? Like, they'd gone... Obviously, they'd gone heavy in with Boquist and Bodan and Mitchell and Yokiharu, but none of well, them were panning out. It wasn't exactly yeah. heavy. Huh, yeah, not, not exactly. Get it? Because they were all small and light. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it, it, at that point, I mean, Byram's the one that's, I mean, uh, Boquist is actually playing pretty well, but um, Byram's the one that, you know, like, he was a little bit different than those guys. And, uh, you know, like, if their greatest need was defense still. And, and, and Doc, like he, he had a really good playoffs this year and he obviously looks the part and it's just the weather. It's the question's whether he's ever going to, you know, like he, he played well in his draft here in the WHL, but he wasn't killing it. You know, like he wasn't like this, uh, you know, like he didn't put up these astronomical points and, 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 and there's a lot of talk to about, you know, having, you know, if they send him back the next year, like maybe he has that breakout season and he gets in those reputation, repetitions and, and he, you know, just feels like being a superstar. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't think he ever felt that way. You know, like he hasn't, he's been never that, been a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, you look at that whole draft. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, like I've seen Matt Boldy, I think it's going to be a stud for the wild. And, Cole Caulfield. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, Cabo Caco hasn't been, I mean, he's been okay for the Rangers, but. Um, no, the Rangers, like, I mean, you know, two straight years, everyone was freaking out about them winning the lottery, and Lafreniere and Caco, neither of them is really looking all that spectacular so far. No. They're yeah, young, and, and, still. And Jack Hughes is looked by, not, nice, but I, it's not like, I mean, they, they're He's getting paid like a superstar. Oh, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you look at what Detroit's done, and I mean that's that could have been the Blackhawks, like if they got this right, you know, like if, if Boquist and Doc and like you had some of those picks that, uh, if you do it right, like I think the Blackhawks are in a bat, lot better situation. I mean they had they had the the rebuild situation there to take advantage of, and and obviously it hasn't panned out yet. So well, the good news is they're loaded with first round draft picks for the next. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. What, what's that? What's that? Oh, they're not. <laughs> they're not at all. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh, okay. 
scratch that. <laughs> it's 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 hard to be optimistic about the long term here, isn't it? I mean, you just you kind of look at this team and it's like, all right, they could be okay. They're playing okay now, and there's there's guys that can take next steps and things like that. But man, where's the contention coming from? Where how is this team going to become a legitimate contender again? They don't have a what's goalie sign for next year, other than <laughs> then what? Then Soderblom and Drukamesso already. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Just it's I I. Like I'm sure Kyle Davidson wants to be a GM, but this this isn't easy. Like he's been handed a really rough card here, you know. Like it's, Stan painted him into a corner. He really did. Yeah, like they they needed Strom and I I I, I again not giving up all my stuff for tomorrow's piece, but uh, the Kubalik's Kubalik's really a strange case, you know. Like he's his shots on goal and the scoring chances, everything is just just it's vanished, you know. Like. Yeah. The Blackhawks needed Strom and Kubalik and Doc and Borgstrom, all these all these guys to be legit because they were going to carry them into into the future. And right now, it's and I, the way it is today, they're going to move on from Strom and Kubalik and Borgstrom. Certainly isn't it so far? And you know, like Doc, yeah, isn't. Bor- Borgstrom's a guy, right? I mean, he he's out there. He doesn't make him. He doesn't embarrass himself. He's doing okay. He makes you know he's around the net, but n- nothing happens. There's no there's no production there. Yeah. And he's not like he's some like, you know, Marion Hosa whiz in the defensive end. So he's just there. He's just an they have so many guys that he's are. He's an just adequate there. player, yeah. Yeah. They have so many, you know, middling to less than middling players on this roster. And, and if you're playing to win three to two, two to one games, like there's such little room for error, and then it's right. it's what happens last night. You take a penalty, the Rangers score, and you know, like it just it, it gets out of hand occasionally and, and you don't have a way of countering that because you they, they struggle to score goals, and, and, the, and like they, they really thought they were going to be good in the power play, and I and I certainly did. You know, I think we both did at the beginning of the season, and, and for Seth Jones not even to be on the top power play unit anymore, you know, yeah. like it's just it's it, it's it's changed so quickly. Um, yeah, I, I I don't you know, it'll be it's just, I mean they're they're certainly a better team than they were under Colleton, and, and I know you're going to work on a piece about kind of looking at some of those areas of what's gotten better and what's changed and in, in, in the coming week, but. Um, yeah, I don't. I still don't know if this team is good enough. You know, like it's 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 good enough not to be the worst team in the NHL, but uh, there's a lot of ways to go still to to kind of find that next tier. And yeah, I mean they're right where they've been the last three or four years, except probably a little bit worse, right? Yeah, that's a terrible place to be. They've been in a terrible place, and now they're a little bit worse than that. It's just I don't know, man. It, it's odd because it's like they come back from that New York, you know, like the East Coast trip, and like oh yeah, it's encouraging. They beat capital, you know, beat the Capitals and. Uh, you know, they, they beat the Islanders and then, uh, and then they lose the Rangers again. And, you know, it just, it, it feels like the, it's, it's, they're just kind of running in place a bit, you know, like there's, there's some optimism and then, you know, returned by some pessimism and it's, yeah, it's, um, it'd be different if it wasn't, yeah. Like if they were scoring goals or something was changing, but it, it feels like even, I, I know, you know, Taves yesterday talking was, you know, like he's, um, you know he he's obviously struggling. He hasn't scored in twenty five games, and and there's per- certain parts of his game that he, you know he's he, he's doing fine. And Derek King's try to emphasize that, but at, at the same time, it's um, he's getting ten and a half million dollars. He doesn't have any goals. Yeah, there's so no I, way to sugarcoat. There's just no way to sugarcoat that. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, like it's and I and I I didn't really notice until I started digging the numbers today. Was that the uh, um, yeah he was he's been tenth in five on five ice time the last two games. Derek King starting to cut his minutes in some areas and. Um, and 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 you know, I was, it was interesting because I looked at Kane's numbers. I thought maybe Kane's production's been affected by Taves, but 
his five on five numbers have actually been better with Taves than they were even with Debrinkit. Like there, there's like Debrinkit and Kane. A lot of their success has been on three on three in the power play. So yeah, I don't know what the fix is at this point. You know, like I feel like they've jumbled the lines, and um, I'm not sure bringing up Hardman or Kurashev is really going to do a lot either. You know, like there's until Reichel comes, who's still in you know concussion protocol and. I know there's a question about Nylander that, you know, we'll, we'll go to the questions, but Nylander isn't it probably. I mean, the Blackhawks would have brought him up now if they were more optimistic about, you know, his player or what he could be. I I, I think, yeah, I, I think if Nylander was ready, they'd send him up because it, it still benefits. Like, they need players. They need young players to pan out. Like, they need some of these guys to pan out. And Yeah, Nylander's I, I, still young guys. Like, what, 23 years old? I mean, there's still hope for there. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. it's taking time. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that hope is, it's, definitely diminishing a little bit so that's that should be the blackhawks motto this season the blackhawks <laughs> hope is definitely diminishing a little bit <laughs> do you uh you want to go through some uh questions here sure um but well when will nylander get a chance on the goal starved hawks brandon s also do the hawks qualify strom kubalik or neither i think we, we kind of just touched on all of that nylander when he's ready he'll play um but you know I don't. They're certainly not going to qualify Strom at the amount it would cost him at this point. They're hoping to move him, and if they don't move him, they would probably let him walk before, you know, giving him, you know, what would it be three and a half, four million dollars or something like that on the qualifying. I think it's three point six. I think Kubalik's four million. So yeah, I, yeah. There's just no way. If if they could trade either one of them, they would. I I I think even now, like Kubalik, like it's like beginning of the season, like that seemed realistic, but he's. I mean, he needs a score goal, too. Beginning of the season, I'm not sure Kubalik was in the long-term plans either. I mean, the Hawks seemed ready to walk away from him rather than give a bunch of money to who they saw, from based on who I've talked to. They saw him as a one-dimensional goal scorer. Yeah. Now he's not even scoring the goals. Now, the thing is, you could always just not qualify a guy and still re-sign them much, much cheaper. If Dylan Strom says, you know, I can't get more elsewhere, I'm gonna, I want to stay where I'm comfortable, but I'll re-sign for $1.5 Maybe the Blackhawks do that. I don't know. Yeah. But that's a big pay cut that he would have to take in order to do that. And someone is likely to give a, take a chance on a guy who is a number three overall pick and had 51 points in 58 games just three years ago. So it, it's the chances are low that either or certainly that both of them be on the roster next year. Uh, but, the, but again, like you said, who's taking their place? There's no, no, there's no first-round draft pick coming in to take that spot. There's no stud prospect other than Lucas Reichel in the system to take those spots. Like – is it just going to be another Reese Johnson? How many Reese Johnsons can you have? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's the free I, agent I, class I, next year isn't that exciting, and it's mostly older guys, if I recall. And, and I don't think they I want to get in the situation where they're overpaying for free right. agents too. You know, like that doesn't do anything. Yeah, I don't, I, and the, their whole where, thing is they need financial flexibility with the, these contracts coming off the books to just tie themselves down to another overpay would be a, a, the wrongheaded move. Not not that it's a really good thing because you want Doc to be really good, but at this point they don't have to pay Doc like Hughes, you know. Oh, like, he'll be getting like, like a million and a half. Yeah, <laughs> he won't be getting a whole lot at this rate. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it'll be around like three three million or so. But yeah, he's playing he's playing number one minutes. They're gonna have to pay him, but it's certainly not going to be that. You know, like when Kane and Taves, their first contract was in the sixes, I think, or something like that. Their first bridge deal. Yeah, something high. Sure. It's not going to be that. Yeah. Well, they had won that cup too at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that had helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of Nylander questions, actually. Uh, let's Ooh. see what else. Alex or whatever says, how are the prospects doing? Are any having standout seasons? Uh, Ryder Rolston was a guy that they acquired from part of the... You uh, made that name up. He was in the uh, Soderbergh trade from Colorado, like a kind of a throne piece. And and he's he's actually been playing well for Notre Dame. He's a sophomore. He was just one of the Big Ten players of the week. 
Um, I don't, you know, I've asked people about him and they seem to have sort of mixed, yeah, mixed feelings, but he's, he skates well and he's obviously starting to produce. Like he only had like five or six points last year as a freshman and, um, you know, he's about a point a game in Notre Dame. So maybe it's something, um, a Drew Camaso has been like, he was having a down year and he seems like the last two games he played really well for BU and he's probably going to the USA's, uh, number one goalie. Um, you know, they have a couple guys at world juniors, um, uh, you know, some of the defensemen are, 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 are interesting. I think, I don't know if I, it doesn't like Nolan Allen will make Canada, but, um, you know, the, the U S team will have, you know, a handful of guys and Landon Slaggard who was on the team last year that won, won gold for the U S and, um, and, and the Colton Docks having a pretty good, you know, pretty good year. You know, I, I think there's some hope for him, uh, down the line. Um, uh, but yeah, it's not really, uh, there, there's not a whole lot in the system, you know, like there's. The fact that Doc was so accelerated, so I mean, he's your first round pick from a couple of years ago. Now Reichel's here, uh, Nolan Allen this year. I mean, it, I, you know, the defensive defenseman. How I don't know how excited he, he can get, and it's, <laughs> and it's not like he's like he's you know like they need him right now either. So, um, yeah, there, yeah, there's a couple of pieces, and you know, I, I guess we'll see if, if Reichel gets out of concussion protocol and if he goes to uh, the World Juniors. Like I think there's. Uh, I, I think after the new year it'll be it'll be interesting because maybe he plays for Germany the world in, in the Olympics too. But uh, if this team's struggling or what, I mean, he's sort of the hope, you know, or, or just someone that you can maybe break in at least something exciting, something different that's than than a lot of the bottom six guys they're uh, they're bringing up right now. Although although uh, I think Josiah has been playing uh, like he's playing pretty well, you know. Slavin, like yeah, no, he's. Yeah. I, I've been very surprised by him. He's uh, he looks very competent out there. They, they have a lot of you know like. And Twistle and like these guys are all like you, you. I think they have a competent bottom six. It's just they need they need that production in the top right six. because their bottom six isn't a lot of depth scoring. It's good solid players, but they're not yeah. big scorers. They're a lot you, of nice fourth liners. Yeah. If you only got two scoring lines, your scoring lines have to score, and they just haven't been doing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, here's one that's off the board. Randall McCloskey asks, "When do you think Joel Quenville will be employed again?" I don't think he'll ever have a job in the NHL ever again. I, maybe I'm being melodramatic there, but like. You know, we've seen like attempts to rehabilitate Mike Babcock's image and he hasn't been hired again. And, you know, what, what Joel was in the middle of is the worst thing we've seen in, in, a, in a sea of bad things. I, I and he's in his early to mid 60s. I don't think Joel Quenville coaches again in the NHL. Do you? I, I've heard from sources that he's positioning himself to coach again. That that, that certainly is his hope that he uh, I think that he quickly kind of. Yeah, I. I I think that he understood the writing was on the wall when he got into Bettman's office, but he also was positioning himself that, you know, like I, I'm going to get out and do my penance and, and get back in. And I think his assumption that is he gets a chance again, I, I don't, I don't, I, I guess I don't put anything. I mean, he was fired by, I don't put anything past the NHL, right? Like it just, well, there's it's, that. Yeah. I, 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 I would bet against it, but I, yeah. I, I mean, he was know. essentially forced out of a team that wasn't, in any way affiliated with what happened. So how could another team bring him on? How would like, I, I, it just, what's his penance going to be? Is he going to like actually actively get out in the community and, and rehabilitate? I, I don't, I don't know how you do that at this point. I don't know. And I'm not saying he shouldn't get the chance necessarily, though. I would lean that way. I'm, I, I haven't given it enough thought to really, I, I don't see how you can atone enough to have the privilege again of coaching in the NHL again, just like, Certainly, John McDonough is never going to be president of a team again, and Stan Bowman's never going to be GM of a team again. I don't see how you can go yeah. and 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 you know. And I know that Gary Bettman said that if any of these people want to work again, they're going to have to come through me. I don't think he's going to say no. I think he's going to put some kind of conditions on it, and he's going to like hem and haw. But I don't think he's just going to flat out say no. 
But it's up to the teams, right? It's up to the 32 teams not to, you know, give them those chances. And if they, and if they do, then, hey, that's that's capitalism, I guess. But uh, at this point, I would be pretty surprised, I think, is how I would put it. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. And, and then I guess it depends on where the... the like, I, I could see a team go about this because the NHL teams do make weird decisions. And then the fan base will probably... You know, like I think we we've seen, you know, when Toronto hired that goalie coach, like there there was enough, you know, like there was enough voices out there to be like this is wrong that we, you know, and Toronto ended up getting rid of that coach. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it'll. I, I guess we'll see what time and time. You know, like at, at some point the Blackhawks are going to start celebrating these 2010 players again. Yeah, you know, Jarmelson was yeah. there last night just as a spectator. But yeah, Jarmelson, his- who is one of the few guys who has not. Me, that we, yeah, he's his, been, his legacy, his his legacy night's still scheduled. I know in Craig, Craig Morgan in Arizona and I were trying all summer to get him get him on the phone or respond to a text, and he wouldn't. And then all of a sudden, he's just at the United Center getting an ovation. It was I don't know. People move on quickly, I suppose, but I guess anything's possible. Yeah, well, I'm curious when the Blackhawks do because they like they obviously rescheduled hosts or they just they postpone hosts. They're not a rescheduled date and. Right now, as of right now, Seabrook and, and Jarmelson are, you know, um, yeah. I haven't seen Sharp on, on, on do any broadcasts. Like, right. Uh, um, it, I, wonder, I, wonder if, I wonder if that was almost like a test to have Jarmelson just like on the Jumbotron and see what the reaction would be. Almost like a, you know, check the temperature kind of thing. He must have been in town for something else, though. I mean. Oh, I'm sure they didn't fly him out just for that. Yeah. But it's <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, can you come over from Sweden just so we can put you on the Jumbotron and see how the fans react? <laughs> well, sure. I'd love to do it. that. That's a great idea. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Cliff Deutsch with a very important question. What's your opinion on St. Viator bagels? Ooh. Now, okay, I'm a big bagel I brought a bunch of bagels home from New York. I, I'm so full of bagels from the last five days. I was just in the New York area for a while. Um, I'm a big bagel snob, big-time bagel snob, and I like St. Viator bagels. Scott was I sent nice you some, yeah. You sent me some. Yeah, you did uh, early on in the pandemic, which was very nice. But – Here's the thing. I don't know if anyone, if anyone doesn't know, there's a famous old, in old, you know, Montreal bagel shop, St. Vitamin. There's a Montreal style bagel, which is very different from a New York style bagel or even like a, a jewel kind of bagel. It's, it's like a ring. It's like you're playing ring, you're playing ring toss. Like they're really skinny and have like the hole is just massive in the middle. And they're really tasty. They're chewy. They're good, but they're useless beyond eating them as a bagel. Like you cannot make a sandwich. Out of a St. Viator bagel because it'd just be like a giant slab of meat in the middle with nothing on either side of it. <laughs> so like I don't know. Like I like them as like a snack. They're yummy. I and I, I I like bread and I love bagels. But they are they are not the most practical bagels in the world. But it's cool to go to there. I, I've been to the store where you know they're making them by hand. And they're throwing them around and stuff. They only come in sesame. I think there's like it's like it's like really weird. There's yeah, like yeah. no flexibility in them whatsoever. It's fun. They're good. I like them, but. I don't even think they qualify as bagels. I'm gonna be honest with you. They're like yeah, I, I don't have as, I, a strong opinion about this. I'm just gonna come on, Scott. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Stop hiding behind your microphone and give an opinion, would you? These are the important uh, issues. Of the I, thought, day. I thought you were gonna kill Darnell the other day for his pizza opinion. So I, I, I'm gonna uh... hey, no, look, everyone's got their place. Like I, I don't get mad at people for having their place, but 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 I, I read his story and. That was not New York pizza. That looked like some fancy artisan pizza, which, hey, I like fancy artisan pizza. I like all pizza. I like deep dish. I like tavern style. I like fancy artisan pizza, and I like real pizza. But, you know, everyone's got their place. I got to, you know, my wife always tells me, don't yuck my yum. I try try not to do that. But I fail all the time. (laughs) I think that's all the actual reasonable questions we received because I posted this like 10 minutes before we started recording. 
Uh, people want to know if the Blackhawks can appeal the hit on Kara. I don't. I don't think it works that way. No. I've never heard of such a thing. Once the once the you know you can appeal down a suspension, you can't appeal up a suspension. Yeah, no. I mean, they certainly took the look at the at the hit and stuff. It wasn't like it wasn't being looked at, and and, and certainly when something like that happens, like they definitely examine it even further. You know, like it's they know that how serious it was, and there's obviously a lot of discussion around it. So, um, yeah, the NHL deemed it as a as a clean hit from from what I understand, and um, and yeah, they're moving on. So, um. Yeah, so you're in Montreal and Toronto, and then uh, yeah, teams back home and a lot of road games lately, man. I thought the team's got to be. I know I'm tired. The team probably is too. <laughs> it's a lot of traveling around. Yeah, I, you know, for them to take off practice today, like I think they were just gassed. You know, like it's. I think they were. I think. I think the Kara hit had something to do with yeah, that too. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. Yeah, they just I they just needed a day to kind of like you know be away. Well, they yeah. travel today, so I guess it's not totally away. But I didn't. I, I don't think anybody felt like practicing today after that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um yeah, so we will. Uh, you'll have game coverage, and we'll have. Uh, we'll come up with stuff, and I got a story tomorrow, and yeah, all, all the usual business. Yeah, we're 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 still we're still covering this team. We got like fifty something, sixty something games left. So, <laughs> hang with us. Keep listening. Keep reading. Keep clicking. Keep watching. Um, all right. Well, enjoy your bagels and stay warm and uh, smoked we'll, meat. Uh, I'm getting smoked meat, man. I'm in Montreal. Come on. I don't even know what meat it is. I think it's brisket of some sort. Okay. All right. Well, enjoy. Uh, For Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me?